Hey, my name is Ben. Rhymes with 10, hen, when, then, den, ESPN, and amen. Now, if you have trouble remembering names, hopefully that helps you out a little bit. I know some of your names, but certainly not all. And, uh, but I love meeting you guys. This is such a great place to be, and whether it's your first time here or your hundred first time here, it's so much fun and a privilege to come and play games and, and sing songs and have fun and then learn about Jesus. And we're in the third and final week of our teaching series titled Living as a Christian in a Non-Christian World. And tonight I want to talk with you about how we're to live in our everyday interactions. See, I, I'm a little bit nervous because I think there's a spy cam on me from junior high because this skit up here, it was my life in junior high. I was a different person depending on what day it was and which circle of people I was around. And I think that's why I feel qualified to talk about this message tonight. You know, there's an old saying that you learn more from failure than you do success. Now, sometimes we think that failure is the worst thing in the world. Well, failure can be pretty bad if you don't learn from it. It's okay to fail, but when we can learn from our failures, and make it, it'll make ourselves better. And if we can learn from someone else's failures and not even have to go through the pain of having the failure on our own, then that's the best. So I'm going to share with you one of my failures from junior high tonight. But before I get too far into that, I want you guys to have an accurate picture of what I looked like in junior high. Because I didn't always have this goatee. You know what I'm saying? So on the screen is my seventh grade photo. Yeah. The Michael Jordan inspired haircut. Tube socks. That hair was by choice. This having no hair is really just because I don't want to rock a horseshoe. You know what I mean? So uh, I'll, I'll prove it that I could grow hair. In eighth grade, my hair was a little bit longer. Yep. Corduroys, Skechers, neon shoelaces. Yeah, let's go past that one. In ninth grade, I was more of like the all-American look, you know, like the bleach blonde hair, the gel, the jewelry, the braces that made my smile shine for five years. Ooh, yeah. Moment of silence for that. Okay. But that's a look at me back in junior high. And I really lived a compartmentalized lifestyle. Have you ever heard the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Yeah. That's kind of how I lived my life. Like, whatever happened at my school, junior high, whatever happened at school would stay at school. Or so I thought. And then whatever happened at home was who I was at home and would stay at home. And whatever happened at church stayed at church. And in all of these circles, I acted like a different person. I thought that I had to be the best at everything. And I wanted to impress everyone. But once in a while, there was tension because the person that I was at school would come upon situations that were pretty close, that were pretty close to the person that I wanted to be at church. And sometimes they would get pretty dangerously close that I didn't really know how to act. Like that time that I was with my friends on that Wednesday night after school, walking home, where Hy-Vee gas station is now in front of the mall, it used to be an old gas station, turned around, faced the other way, the car wash and everything. They had a great deal on pop. And candy. So we would often get a pop in a candy bar after school on our walk home. And one day after school, my friend said to me, Hey, Ben, 
I've got an idea about how we can get some cigarettes. And I'm like, hey, I want to be cool. I want to be accepted. I want to be like, yeah, Ben, you're the man. But even I knew that, hey, red alert, red alert, you don't smoke. You're not old enough to smoke. You want to play sports and you know that's going to harm your health. Why would you do that? And so calmly I told my friend, yeah, what's the plan? When he detailed this plan that was at the checkout cashier, there was a, a glass counter and some candy bars underneath, and he was going to point out a candy bar. I'm like, no, not that one, not that one, and distract the cashier. And then it was my job to, there was a, a display case of cigarettes open that you could just take one. I later found out that tobacco companies actually paid gas stations money to put cigarettes on display right on that counter so that underage teenagers would do what I was being set up to do, steal them, and then get addicted. That made me mad when I learned it later on, but I didn't know it in this moment, and so we engaged the plan. My buddy points out his candy bar, gets the distraction of the, the cashier, and I, standing there in my sketchers, sweaty palms, reach up, slip the cigarettes into my pocket. It seemed like an hour, but it was only a matter of seconds. And we were walking out with pop, candy, and stolen cigarettes. And in that moment, I was told that I was the coolest person, that I was the best, that I did something that no one else in the junior high would do. Yet in that moment, I knew that what I had done was wrong and went against everything that I wanted to be in a person. Why did I live this way? Why did I fall to temptations over and over again? Why did I think that I could be a different person depending on which circle of friends I was hanging around? Was I the only one that had this problem? Maybe. You see, why, why would I say I was a Christian, but then want to cheat on a test or ask my friend for their answers to the homework? Why, why on Sunday would my lips sing song of praise to God, but then during the week these same lips would spread gossip and lies? Why could I fold my hands in prayer yet use those same hands the next day to flip the bird or push someone out of the way. I don't know if you've ever had this struggle, but if you have, then you are not alone. See, I think that there's something inside each one of us, something that really tells us, hey, you can do that, you should get away with that, you, you can be the best, it's all about you. And that thing inside is pride. You see, pride tells us that we should do whatever it takes to survive, to look the coolest, to be the best. And pride tells us that we can get away with it when we're with our friends, that we can, that we can do things with our friends that we wouldn't want our parents to know about, and we, can, and we can be a certain person at church that we would want everyone think us, think us to be, and then be someone totally different when we go out to the activity 
You see, pride is a serious issue. Listen to what the Bible says about pride in Psalms. It says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In his thoughts, there is no room for God. Do you see that? When you are filled with pride and when you are thinking only about yourself and what's best for yourself in the moment, you shove God away. There's no room for God. No matter what you actually think or no matter what you say, when your pride is in the way, there's no room for God. And now think about someone who you would associate pride with and think, do I really like being around someone who's full with pride? Now turn that upside down. Do you think people want to be around you when all you're thinking about is how you're going to be the best in every single situation? No. And so not only does pride push God away, it will eventually push your friends away. Pride is a prison. Pride is a prison. Now, if you're, if you're a Christian, then, then what I'm about to read is actually the way that you are supposed to live. There's no ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. If you don't follow Christ, if, you, if you're not a Christian, you don't follow Jesus, that's a-okay. I don't want you to feel any pressure, like you're expected to live a certain way that you may not even believe in. We're, I'm glad that you're here. We are all glad that you're here. Keep asking questions or, or learning about what being a Christian is. But if you are a Christian, then the Apostle Paul has written words for us that is the 100%, no doubt about it, way that you are to live. See, the Apostle Paul, he, he lived in the time of Jesus, but he didn't live right alongside Jesus. He didn't know Jesus when he, Jesus lived on earth, but he knew a few of Jesus' best friends. And he talked with people who had seen Jesus do miracles. And then Paul began to believe in Jesus, and he was hardcore. He went all over and, and spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus. In fact, the New Testament, this section of the Bible right here, these pages that I'm holding up, not all of it, but most of it was written by Paul. And Paul has, has written for us, for you and me. He, so this, the Philippians were people who had this same sort of struggle of being a different person depending on what day of the week it was. And he wrote to them how they are to live. And it was relevant to them 2,000 years ago. And we can look back on it as a historical event. And it's relevant to you today. So what did Paul write? Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Did you catch that? Serve others. You follow Jesus, Jesus served you, we serve others. Others, that's where it starts. And Paul reminds us what Jesus did. How did Jesus serve us? Verse 8, and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was in heaven. He had it made in the shade, sipping lemonade, right? And he came down to earth 
not to be a king, not to live in a palace, not to get all of the credit, but to bring you and me within one step of heaven, of eternal life. All you have to do is believe in Jesus. And so Jesus did that to serve you. And all he wants you to do is set your pride aside and give someone a compliment and look out for the better in others and set aside what you want to do when it comes to your family or how cool you think you need to be in the latest fashion you need to wear when it comes to that school. He wants you to set that aside and actually look to serve other people. That's, the, that's what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus, first ser- Jesus served first so that we may serve others and not to get the glory ourselves but so that God himself can be honored so every day when you get out of bed when you roll out of that rack and your feet hit the ground the question that you need to be asking is how can I serve in this situation let's practice say that with me how can I serve in this situation When you go to school and you're tempted to to do whatever it is that that you're tempted with, whatever your friends tempt you with, or whatever vibe you want to put out that makes you look like the coolest, instead of doing that, you should ask the question. Yeah? Exactly. How can I serve in this situation? And if if you want to stop living a compartmentalized life, if you want to be the person who is following Jesus, and you want to know how to do that and how to actually make it happen, this is the question that you need to ask each day. How can I serve in this situation? You see, I'm going to tell you a secret. And even your small group leaders would agree with this. Your parents, too, if you dared to ask. The temptation to live a compartmentalized life, to be a different person depending on the situation, that temptation never goes away. Now you're young. You've got a great life ahead of you. Why not say tonight, right here, right now is where I I'm going to stop the compartmentalized living, and I'm going to take a step to serve because Jesus first served me. Now, for a moment of of privacy and concentration, I'd ask that you close your eyes. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. And if you would like to follow Jesus for the first time. In a minute, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want to include you in that prayer. If you have not ever said, hey, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. If you haven't said that, and you want tonight to be that night, I want to include you in a prayer. So if you could just raise your hand, just pop it up. If you want to trust in Jesus the first time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
God's doing a work. He's doing a miracle in your heart right now. He's stirring your soul. Now, if you have been a Christ follower, but from the skit tonight and from reading the Apostle Paul's words to the Philippians, you, you said, man, I'm not living how I want to live. And you want to recommit your life to Christ tonight. I want to include you in the prayer. So if you could just raise your hand. Just pop it up. Lights are down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This isn't a peer pressure thing. It's just between you and the Lord. Thank you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for these young men and women here tonight coming to chaos, having fun, singing songs, and learning about you. Thank you for the the storm you stirred in their soul. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who every single day gives us a new and fresh opportunity, Lord, that even those times that we fail, that you offer forgiveness. And tonight there's young men and women here, Lord, who want to dedicate their life to you for the first time. And I would pray that, that you let them know it's okay, it's okay that they don't know all the answers to all the questions, but they know the answer to one, and that it's Jesus Christ died for them. Let them, let that message sink in. And for those that are making a recommitment tonight, Lord, may this night be a time that we can look back and say, that is when God, you grabbed me and made a difference. Lord, I pray for, for these young men and women that they have a small group leader to talk to, that they can share about this this newfound joy in you through Jesus with their friends and talk about it at home with their families and that they have the support that when tomorrow hits and that alarm clock goes off and they go to school for the Thursday schedule that they can look to serve, to honor you. Thank you for, for the privilege of being your children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen. amen.